Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Educators Podcast. Just a few quick announcements before today's conversation with Jake Seguro. I will be hosting our first virtual event, the Educatorness Summit. This will be a free event, September 2nd through 4th. I'm planning on having between 12 and 15 presenters, and you can sign up today through a link that will be in the show notes. I think this is going to be a fantastic event and something that you will get a lot of value from based on the confirmed presenters to this point. Secondly, I've started an Edge of Greatness newsletter that will be bi-monthly. I believe this is another perfect opportunity for you to keep up to date with future events as well as some of the specials that go on throughout the year. I will also share various stories of greatness that I experienced throughout my life living here in Columbus, Ohio that often get overlooked. And I think that this is an opportunity for you to see the world through my eyes and get some stories on what I believe greatness looks like. And this is just another free value give that's something I think will be awesome to gain knowledge and have an opportunity to grow your expertise in greatness as well. Lastly, my book, Be Great, has been getting a lot of amazing feedback, which I am so appreciative of. If you have had a chance to read it, I would love to hear what you think. If you have not, there will be a link in the show notes that will give you an opportunity to purchase it, and then hopefully you can give me some feedback then. So uh, either way, I do sincerely appreciate all of the support. It's been an amazing journey so far. Now, let's get to today's conversation with Jake Segura. Be a sponge and then bring the juice. focusing on your improvement by focusing on your progress and eliminating any fixed mindset that you may have and acts of perfectionism, then you encourage your own mastery. On some level, we do what we want to do 24 hours a day. Now, sometimes it may not seem like that, like, but if I'm choosing to work instead of sleep, what I'm actually saying is keeping my job is more important than sleeping. I'm tired of this. Like, I just, like, I'm tired of getting beat. What can I do to, to get over this hump? So mentally, that's when I kind of put that, that forefront, like, hey, it's either all or nothing. I, I, I like to put failure in quotations because I don't believe that failure is true failure if you're looking at it with the right mindset. The truth is the journey to greatness is hard. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes focus, and every day you have to decide what you value, what you want to pursue, and what you want to achieve. And if you dig deep enough, if you push hard enough, we all have what it takes to be great. Welcome to the Edge of Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Greatness podcast. I'm your host, Charles Schultz, and today I have with me a very special guest, lead singer of Citizen Soldier, Jake Segura. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jake. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I'm a big believer that we are a product of our milestones and the things that we go through in our life determines where we ultimately end up and how we handle those tough moments. Tell me a little bit about some of the milestone moments in your life that has led you to where you're at now as the lead singer of Citizen Soldier. Um, I think moments that, you know, you, you feel like you can't go anywhere but up. You know, sometimes those are the moments that that seem to define you based on the way that you respond. For me, it was getting to a place in my life where my mental health became so out of control 
that um, I attempted to end my own life. And I remember being in that position, being in that hospital bed, being in the ICU and thinking about like the thoughts that were running through my head, like nobody's, who's going to want me now? You know, I, I could not have been any lower than I was in that moment. And all the things that I had planned for my life, I was, I felt like I had lost, you know, like no one's going to want to marry me. I'm never going to have kids. I'm never going to have a job. I'm going to be this loser that's, um, you know, dependent on their parents or unable to contribute to society because I'm not stable. I mean, I just totally lost confidence in my, in my vision, in my direction for my life. And um, the level of reflection that being put in that kind of situation can create, I think is, is where that, what feels like a curse can become a gift. You know what I mean? Because that, that's what it took for me. Um, I was a closet songwriter growing up. I was afraid to really lean into what I felt passionately about. And it took just getting to that really dark place where I felt like I had nothing else to lose to be like, I'm just going to do it. You know, I feel like I have something to say now. And um, that's what started Citizen Soldier. That's what started the band. That's what started my career in music. And it's hard to say if I'd be where I am now without that experience, without those struggles. That being said, I would never encourage anybody to chase those experiences. I mean, if someone can learn from my mistakes or my struggles, then um, I'd much prefer that than for them to have mm -hmm. to go through the same pain. But I think that we don't choose the hand that we're dealt, but it's up to us to make the best of the cards that we have. And that's what I feel like I had to do. Yeah. I, I find it really interesting now because I feel the passion when you sing your songs. I actually first heard you on TikTok and it drew me to you because of the, the, the emotion in the way you deliver your music. And I think that's an important piece because we all have struggles. We all go through difficult moments. Talk to me a little bit about your process when it comes to creating music and what your hope is that your listeners get from what you're trying to speak to them. I hope they feel seen. I hope they feel like there's somebody there in the trenches with them. I hope they get that validation. And I hope that they don't stay there forever. Um, I think it's important to recognize that, you know, as someone who now is becoming a mental health professional, as I finish grad school and move on to that stage in my life, I think that what a lot of people don't understand about our music is, you know, the, the song that, that tells you it's going to be okay, you know, things are going to get better, pick yourself up, you got this. Those are not always the songs that people need to hear. Um, you know, in, in therapy, if someone were to walk into my office and tell me what's going on and I immediately jump to, well, you need to do this, you need to pick yourself back up, you got this, you know, the, the life coach approach does not work for somebody struggling with severe mental health problems. It just doesn't. Um, because that trust, that connection can't build until that person feels like I'm taking the time to sit there and listen and really be there with them in that dark place. And getting there takes time and earning that trust takes time, but nothing I say to them matters until they feel like I'm there and I get it. And I don't have to, I don't have to have been there. I can, I can work with somebody who was molested by a, a relative and I haven't experienced that myself. Thankfully, that doesn't mean that I can't take the time to really listen and understand how that's affected them their whole life 
the way they see themselves, the way they see the world, and just putting in that work to get to where they are. Um, people don't do that because it's uncomfortable. We see people at the grocery store and we say, hey, how are you doing? I'm good, cool, sounds good, see ya. Um, are, we, are we really, when we say, how are you? Do we really want the real answer? Are we willing to, you know, set the card aside and sit there and have that difficult conversation and listen to what's really going on in that person's life? Because everybody has some, you know, uphill battle they're in that, you know, just isn't visible. So I think that that's the entry point of our music for the listener is helping them see that it's okay to validate, like, this is awful. Like what you're going through is so awful and difficult and um, overwhelming. And until that happens, nothing encouraging or empowering I say matters to them because it's not real. It's coming from a place of, please just get over it because I'm uncomfortable listening to you talk about this. Not, okay, like this is serious and this is very real and we need to see this for what it is and appreciate what you've been put through. And once that connection is there and that rapport is there, I think there's a place for songs that are more about um, lifting people up and motivating them to move and do something and pivot from where they are, because you also don't want people to become apathetic and stuck in that space forever. So I get people on both sides. I was joking about this with my wife today. I was like, I released something encouraging and people criticize, people complain that like, don't, don't tell me it's just going to get better. And then why well, release something that's too dark and depressing. And it's like, well, you have to have both, you know, it can't be one or the other. So that's my approach to, to what we do. I think it's important to, um, make sure that connections there before we ask people to move. How much of an impact did your situation have on your now your ability to listen? I think having moments where I, I really opened up and was vulnerable about what I went through and feeling really insecure about is this traumatic? Is this like, you know, are people going to think this really isn't that big of a deal? You know, like anytime it felt like somebody dismissed what I was saying or minimized what I was saying or um, wasn't willing to really appreciate how hard that was on me, uh, I just wanted to immediately shut down. And, and that was the hardest part. I mean, I remember um, after my attempt, I had somebody tell me, um, yeah, I wouldn't like, this probably isn't something you need to tell other people about. And that really impacted me in a negative way. Um, I remember that making me feel like they were embarrassed to be associated with me because of what had happened. And um, seeing how harmful that was has really helped me check myself anytime I'm interacting with with a fan or I, mean, I don't like that word because that elevates me over them, which I think is, is absurd. But um, just anyone who's connecting with our music, you know, I, I try to, to go to that place for empathy when, I, when I'm hearing what they're talking about, when I'm hearing um, when it comes to the place that they're in and feeling like people don't get it. That's what I've had to, to lean on to make sure that I'm listening more than I'm talking because I think we're all wired to fix and people don't want to be fixed. They want to be heard. No, I, I absolutely agree. I think we, we all want to try to, to mend broken things to fix the things that aren't working and, and to insert where we might have felt something painful like that, even though our situation is nothing to, 
the same. And I think right. that's a challenging piece for us is to just sit there and absorb what's really being said, say, I hear you and then move forward. So you mentioned right. something in your last answer I thought was really interesting. You said something about how when you put something out there that's positive and uplifting, you get negative feedback. And then when you put something out there that's more in line with what you're feeling emotionally and you're trying to connect with that group of listeners, you get negative feedback. You also said something on social media that made, made me think that it's doing more damage to your mental health than it's worth. How do you balance the use and need of social media and all of the things that are just noise and constantly in our ear telling us we're on the wrong path? Um, I think it just requires a level of self-awareness that can be hard to achieve. You know, I think um, we recently had some backlash over a song we just put out that was really frustrating for me because I felt like people just totally missed the point. And, um, and on one hand, I felt like it was a really good opportunity for me to embrace healthy tension and not run away from it, which I have done in relationships. And you know what, we're going to talk about this. It's uncomfortable, but this is, you know, families have tough conversations. They don't just stuff everything down. That's not the kind of family I want to have. I don't want my daughter to feel like we just hide things. You know, I want to have a family that's very open about everything. And so on, on that side of things, I think that dynamic can be an opportunity to grow and develop. On the other hand, um, I don't think chasing everybody's validation and feeling like I have to convince every stranger online that I'm a good person is necessarily healthy. So, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of um, what I'm doing right now. And it can't, you know, I hate to think in absolutes. So I think on a given day, is what I'm doing right now on this app leading to connection and growth? Or am I avoiding something, numbing something, or chasing some form of validation? And I think, you know, filtering things that way usually helps me understand whether or not it's worth staying engaged in. I like that. I like that a lot. So I'm curious here then, tell me about your process when it comes to creating music. Um, it's evolved a lot. I, you know, I think it'd be dishonest if I was just like, I'm going to sit down and write songs about depression until I'm blue in the face and just rehash the same formula to try and, you know, keep writing hits because I don't feel depressed every second of every day. You know, I want to be honest about that. I have days where life feels good and I don't want to turn into this um, caricature of I have to, you know, stay mentally ill in order to be revered or cared about or important to people because recovery is the end goal, right? We don't want people to stay sick. We want people to improve and feel better. And so um, I can't just write about my own experiences anymore. We put out songs every two weeks. So there are some songs that are intensely personal to me. And there are some that I write about fan experiences. There are some that I write about things that I see in the world and just observations that I make. There are some that I write about clients I have in therapy. Um, so I usually just pull from the human experience and I almost always start with a title. Um, I, I think great songwriting, you, you have to have a great hook. And I think that hook has to be something that can be a t-shirt or on a billboard or, you know, I think, uh, trying to think of an example, um, take a song like stronger than my storm. Um, I think that you know, I'm strong enough, which is the line in the chorus. Uh, yeah, that's like, that captures the meaning of the song, but stronger than my storm is the billboard. You know, I think you have to have some, somewhat of a marketing brain and a branding brain to 
to be a great songwriter, especially at a commercial level. Because if someone's driving out on I-15, that's the big highway we have here, and you're passing billboards, you have about six to eight seconds of that person's attention. You better say something meaningful enough to them that they're going to go look you up, want to connect with you. You're going to leave some impression on them. In this world, that's just stuffed full of billboards, right? So if I have this tiny window of time to catch their attention, I, I better have something that's really, you know, interesting. What anyone cares, our most popular song. I think you hear that title and you immediately think, huh, like it's vague enough that you wonder and you, you need to click to confirm that it's about, you know, feeling like nobody would miss you if you were gone, maybe suicidality, these different things. But it's also clear enough that it paints a picture. And I think that's part of it. And so um, sometimes I'll, you know, it's, there's no silver bullet. Sometimes I'll have a melody or a lyric that I really like, and I'll just build off of that until I finish the song. But nine times out of 10, I have what I think is a great hook for a concept or something that I've been inspired by. And then I'll write 10 different songs using that hook and I'll pick the best one. So it's really this deliberate cyclical process of just getting the best of the best. I love the idea of taking the same kind of song and tweaking it to make it to something that you need it to do. It sounds very similar to like a stand-up comedian getting ready to go on tour. They take the same joke and they change a line, they tweak stuff like that. So how much and how often do you have to spend time refining the little details that people don't really pay attention to until the song comes out? Well, and to clarify, it's not rehashing the same song. It's, I think, exploring, because I used to write, you know, I used to write 150 to 200 songs a record and then narrow it down to, you know, 15, 20. And now it's, you know, what are the best hooks? And can I, can I try writing different versions of this song? If I have this hook called um, Made by Misery, and I think that's a cool hook, let's try a ballad with that hook. Let's try a, a you know, a more up-tempo with that hook. And just trying everything. You know, like I, I did door-to-door -door sales in Texas one summer and I hated it. And I, I made enough money to fly home and flew home. But the one thing that I took from that is my trainer told me, you have to put the pressure on the system and not on yourself. If you're thinking about, oh my gosh, I got rejected. They don't, I suck at this. I can't do this. I'm going home. You're not going to last, which is exactly what I did. Um, but if you say to yourself, okay, I just have to knock a hundred doors a day and someone will buy, like that's enough, you know? And that's kind of the approach to take to songwriting is if I write this often, um, I will get something good and I, I will never be the best songwriter. Um, I think there are people out there way better than me in the industry, but I, I outwork all of them. Uh, well, all of them in quotations <laughs> because there are a lot of great writers, but you know, I think I put an insane amount of time into, you know, just knocking on every single door because I'm that determined to get to the right one. How has TikTok been an advantage for you? Um, our problem has been exposure for a long time. We don't have the resources of a record label. Um, we've had opportunities to work with people that have wanted to buy, have wanted half of our masters. So for people who don't understand what that means, just essentially only half the song in totality. Um, and the return they promise is very vague. And I mean, imagine giving up half of your business for maybes and we'll seize, you know, it's just not smart. And so um, we've had to do everything on our own. And 
what the industry does to bands that don't have those connections to coerce them into finally giving into those connections and signing a record deal is they have to monopolize exposure. So they have to make sure that Spotify editorials are benefiting bands that are signed. They make sure that radio, you know, these different uh, places where gatekeepers are appointed are not letting independent bands get in. Because if they do, what are the bands that the record label is going to start saying? Oh my gosh, look at these bands. They're doing it on their own. I could be, you know, living in a, in a real house, not sharing an apartment with my bassist if I just did this by myself. So, you know, that's a struggle in the industry. And um, TikTok has, was for a while, um, exposing us to hundreds of people every day that didn't know who we are. And we were just, you know, putting out songs and they would go viral and viral and viral and viral. We just put out one a few days ago called Still Breathing that went viral. And um, it, it's really rewarding, but it's also really frustrating because for me, it's like, I know if you put us on a tour with a band like Shinedown, game over, oh, you know, and, and that sounds really cocky and it sounds really, um, and, and I am the opposite of cocky. I'll tell you that much. Um, I'm very critical of what we do, but I really believe that, you know, I believe that if we were put in the right situation, um, we have, we have content that people in the active rock world would, would love. And so to, to not be able to get to those people because we're not willing to put ourselves in this really bad financial situation, um, with us all having families to take care of, um, it's tough, but TikTok has been amazing because it's kind of been a workaround for all of that. You know, uh, it's been a little bit more honest about, hey, we're going to let content creators put stuff out and the good content's going to win because it's going to be based on reaction, you know, and that'll change. Instagram used to be that way. Bands used to funnel money into Instagram ads and now it's, it's, it's changed. And, and TikTok has changed quite a bit as well. But we're just excited that, you know, there's always going to be a new app. There's always going to be a new platform. So we're just, you know, I post every single day because you never know when it's going to be gone. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because TikTok's what brought me to you. I, I was scrolling through and one of your songs was on. I was like, man, this guy's got an awesome voice and it's telling an incredible story. So I started scrolling through and I was like, yeah, no, this is somebody I have to have a conversation with because I think in my realm, I don't get to see the different levels that are involved with music, that are involved with art, that are involved. Because my, my world's sports most of the time. So I wanted to get more people who have experienced similar things that I have, but in a different world. And I think that's the key to the, to getting the most out of ourselves and to growing into this greater version is to have all these little pieces that we can pull from. So when you look at performing with that kind of emotion, where does your mind have to go? Because as a, as a sports athlete, I know where my mind goes to perform, but as a artist, where does your mind go to allow you to perform with that much emotion? Sometimes I can't, um, which, which sounds bad, but I don't think people understand how much technicality goes into singing live and just to be on pitch and have the breath control and make sure you're singing from the right place. Um, there's so much mentally that's going on there where you have to just be like a really well-trained singer to, because the second your emotions take control, you're not using your breath, you're burning out your voice. I mean, I've, I've had some really rough shows and really tough lessons that I learned singing live where you just go out there and just, you know, full of adrenaline and just give it your all. You're going to blow out your voice so fast. And so I, I think it's, 
finding balance in what are ways that I can show emotion that still allow for me to stay grounded and present, which is tough, but that's something that I'm working on right now. I have this exercise bike next to me. I sing this set on that every day. I put it on 14 resistance and I just haul and I just shout the set as loud as I can. And uh, it's brutal. Like 99% of bands use backing tracks these days. The singers aren't singing live. It's not real. So, you know, I, I don't feel good about doing that. So it's, uh, it's hard to put yourself in a place physically to be in shape enough to sing with emotion. Tell me about creating the song Screaming in Silence. Oh, man. You triggered me with that one. That's been my... I've been having stress dreams about that song. Um, no, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm a social scientist. I'm a social worker. I look at things that happen in society and I report on them. And you can only write the same song about depression so many times, right? And so um, I love the title. And for, for a class I had for social work in graduate school, we were told to compare a population that's oppressed that is meaningful to us and compare it to a current event in the media. And the population I chose was people with mental health disorders because that's who I work with. And the George Floyd thing was happening. And the imagery of what happened, and I was seeing the murals that were being painted, and I was like, this is like such a perfect metaphor for what this song is about. Like people feeling like they're not being heard. Um, you know, whether or not you agree with the political framing of one side or the other, um, I, I thought it was just an interesting parallel between what our what our message is and you know, regardless of what your political views are. You can't argue there was a huge that brought up a huge dialogue about people in America who are not feeling heard and don't feel safe. And I think to immediately dismiss that because we're trying to um, pledge allegiance to our tribe or political team, I just don't think that's productive. You know, I'm, I'm a registered independent. Um, I'm an open critic of the two party system. I don't have a side or a dog in that fight. It's just been so discouraging to, to see the, the backlash from people saying, People are emailing me, lecturing me about blood alcohol levels, not blood alcohol levels, um, um, alcohol blood levels, I can't talk. It's been a long day. Um, <laughs> levels of, of drugs in his, um, in his system when he passed away and, and calling me a cop hater and all this stuff. And I'm like, where on earth are you getting this from? You know, the song doesn't discuss anything about any of that. It's all about... Um, you know, across cultures, across countries, across the world, there are people who experience unique challenges and unique pains. And it's so interesting how quick we are to dismiss that. And why do we do that? Does it make us uncomfortable to have those conversations? Do we have to check ourselves? Do we have to look inward? I think that's an interesting conversation to have. And I don't think that should be divisive. I think that should be something that is an opportunity for everybody to grow. You know, so that's what that song is about. And, you know, we just wanted to put a unique lens on our core message, which is people not feeling heard. Yeah, no, I, I found that song to be very interesting. I enjoyed the message. I also think that our two-party system, again, not to go political because that's not what the show's about, is also part of our reasoning for why we always jump on the hate side of things instead of the encouraging side. If you scroll through any social media feed, and it's a polarizing topic, you will see more hateful messages than positive, encouraging messages. And I just think that that's where we're pushing ourselves towards by not having 
an open mind, an open dialogue, and this a willingness to explore things from different perspectives. Yeah, it, you know, it was just interesting. I got one email about it, and I, I'm glad we brought this up because it's kind of therapeutic to talk about. But I got one email about it where he told me, this kid told me he couldn't listen to our music anymore because of it. And I, I was very respectful in my response, but it was, it was so hurtful to me. And, and this is me, you know, this isn't me sitting here, woe is me, sob story. This is me just being genuine about how it affected me as a human. Like, to be as open as I have been about what I've been through and everything that I'm doing every day to try and help people, the fact that a perspective was presented conflicted with this person's tribe or team, team sports, right? We're all political team sports. Um, that that meant more to this kid to defend than everything our music had done. And like, I wanted to say like, you, you know everything, you know so much about what I've been through and, and what my life is all about, but this erases all of that because I brought up a perspective that made you uncomfortable. You know, like that to me was so discouraging and, and it's been interesting, fascinating with COVID especially um, to see people just like turn their backs on relationships, people they love because of a disagreement about, about that or about something else political. And that to me is insane. You know, um, I understand when it comes down to things like human rights and uh, things that affect us directly that, you know, those are not easy things to just agree to disagree on. But it, it definitely feels like defending that team gets to a point for a lot of us where it begins to matter more than we do to each other. And that concerns me. Why do you think we're so quick to unfollow, unfriend, step away from those tough conversations instead of lean into them? Because I think it's human to avoid discomfort. And I think that, you know, basic psychology, we all want a tribe. We all want somewhere to fit. We all want somewhere we belong. I mean, there's a reason that these alt-right uh, Nazi fascist groups, you know, uh, white supremacists still recruit people and still have people, you know, that need to fit in and belong can trump everything. You know, you look at these these school shooters, these kids who do unspeakable things. Um, they felt like they didn't belong in the space they were in, and they were willing to latch on to any ideology that satisfied um, their need to feel like they were accepted by somebody and they had some kind of purpose and direction in their life. So I think that's where it comes from. I think everybody needs that kind of connection and like they feel like they belong to something. And I think that when that's threatened, I think we naturally get defensive. And sometimes I think it's counterproductive because we lose the relationships and the connections that are actually more meaningful and healthy for us. Do you think we still have a chance to bring everyone back together as one tribe instead of divided tribes? No, I don't. Um, and I hope that doesn't sound like it contradicts everything that we stand for and believe in. Um, I, I just think that um, I think there are a lot of really good people in the world. And I think that a lot of good people miss out on opportunities for growth and personal development because they are trying to defend something they grew up believing, right? Like, I, I don't think, I think immediately labeling someone as bad because of a belief they have, it's like, well, if you grew up in their setting and you were programmed from baby to 
however old you are now, to think that, would you have made any different choices? Or would you be in the exact same boat? I mean, there's a reason people think it's okay to fly planes in the buildings, because God's going to save them for it. You know, I know it's an extreme example, but I think it's relevant. You know, I think that um, we're really bad at understanding each other. And I think that human pride and that need to be justified and that need to fit and that need to belong, um, I don't see that changing. So I'm kind of cynical in that aspect. But I also think it's important to um, see the good people in the world because there's a lot of them. And life is a lot more pleasant if you focus on connecting with those people. No, absolutely. I, I agree. I think that the connection piece is crucial and, and that ability to get back to having some middle ground, I think will make a big difference and go a long way. I want to take a little shift here and I want to talk a little bit about your upcoming album because I know you're releasing a new album here at the end of the month, uh, probably actually around the time that this uh, episode airs. What I'm curious is, is this is your sign is the title of the album, correct? Correct. Yeah, part two. Part two. What's the significance of that title for you? Um, we just really were at a point in our, our careers where I had a conversation with Howard Benson, uh, who produced like Daughtry and My Chemical Romance and some of these huge bands. We worked with him on a couple songs and he asked me some questions that made me really re reflect on, you know, who are you? You know, yeah, you write songs about mental illness, but like who are you and what's your purpose? And, and I wanted to make a record that just really branded that very clearly. And I think the semicolon was perfect for who we are, what we stand for, the idea that, you know, a more colorful and impactful story can continue even after a really um, disappointing first page or sentence um, and making the best of whatever hand is dealt to you. So this is your sign. We just wanted to create this moment or this symbol of, you know, if you're seeing this, this is your sign that you are needed because your pain and your experiences, no matter how awful and hopeless, they give you depth and knowledge that nobody else in the world has. And that is a gift. That's a gift to you. That's a gift to the world. That can be a gift to others. So that's the one thing that people don't like hearing it sometimes. And you have to, you can't just jump to this with people, but even people who have the most depressing, awful stories of, you know, terrible, abusive childhoods and, and these different things. The crazy thing about all of it is, you know, you have every reason to feel totally cheated by life. And I also think what's interesting to keep in mind is the more difficult that was, the more depth there is to that pain, the more potential there is in depth and empathy and depth in your ability to understand somebody else. And that is powerful. That can save lives. And that can turn this from you feeling like, you know, a victim of life and, you know, just totally being screwed over by the hand you were dealt to being the superhero, you know, not in a self-righteous way, but in an empowering way. And I think it's important to keep that in mind. So that's what the branding of the song is all about. And the song, This Is Your Sign, which comes out in a few weeks with the record when it's dropped. The whole song is just that. The whole song is essentially saying over and over, if you're in this dark place, this is your sign to save your life. Here it is. You know, and so the idea that every person seeing that on social media or coming across that song, having that experience, we think that's really powerful. No, I think that's absolutely incredible. I think that's an awesome way to share your message, your purpose, and to draw people, not necessarily out of the darkness, but to realize that they're not in it alone and that they have light eventually to be able to give back. And I think that's a powerful thing. Um, Jake, I want to leave with one final question here is 
where do you go from here on your journey? Uh, you're you're pl- practicing to become a therapist. You're about to release another album. What's the next phase of your evolution on this quest? Um, I think it's being a little bit more vulnerable in the songwriting. Um, I think that's something that, you know, making a record of the most personal to me is is something we need to do. Um, we have a record coming out next year. It's already, songs are done. They need to be recorded. Um, I think it's going to be a career defining record for us as far as establishing our clinical authority, as far as, you know, being in a unique position where, you know, the, the, the creative force behind this band being a therapist, you know, um, that's something that's unique and we need to drive that home. And so we have a record that's going to be a concept record that's really going to dig into that, which we're really excited about. But I think playing live more, I think touring, I think um, the struggle for me as a human being with a family and a, and a newborn daughter is I'm going to have to find balance and um, accept my limitations, you know, because when you're trying to tour and record music and be a therapist and be at home, it's really easy to feel like you're mediocre in every category of your life because you're trying to do too much. So, um, but it's also hard because I don't really think there's a piece of that pie that I can cut out and leave out. So struggling to find that balance, I think that's something I need to figure out, but I think for the band moving forward, it's creating more of these connections in person with people with the live show, because it's something we haven't done a whole lot of yet. And the touring piece is what we really want to dig into next year. Well, Jake, if you find yourself in Columbus, make sure you let me know. I'd love to be able to attend. That's obviously my stomping ground. So I would, I would definitely make sure I get out there and enjoy some of those songs live. I think that would be incredible. Um, where can some of my listeners follow what you're doing next, see what the band's got happening, and, and really connect with you? You can find us anywhere on social media. So Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. It's just at Citizen Soldier Official for everything. Um, I was looking at houses in Columbus today. So I might need to ask you for some some advice on that market. Um, but yeah, come uh, you know, come hang out, come talk to us. We have a Discord for anybody who's struggling. You know, the most important thing with all of this is that we create a network of people who feel like they can talk to each other if they need someone to talk to. So our Discord server is also a great resource if you want to come join that. Jake, thank you so much. I will make sure all of that ends up in the show notes. And I'll be happy to talk to you about any of the uh, housing markets here in Columbus if you need any help with that. But thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. As always, guys, keep reaching for the stars. Fall flat on your face, but remember, whenever we fall, always get up. Thank you for joining us today on the Edge of Greatness podcast. If you haven't yet, please take a minute now to subscribe and review our show. Join us again next week as we continue to dig deeper into the key components of greatness. The path to greatness is never linear, so remember to keep pursuing greatness no matter what. Keep stretching your abilities, reach for the stars, and fall flat on your face. But remember, no matter what happens, whenever we fall, always get up. Until next time, I'm Charles Schultz, and this was the Edge of Greatness Podcast.